Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I am Rocky. This is Eric. Yo. Today is Friday the 13th. But first, I want to have a very special try for the beginning, for the beginning of our episode. Mm -hmm. Since yours truly is a bit under the weather, I thought it would be a bit apropos, a bit poignant, mm. a bit special. I'm going to try daytime cold and flu remedy. So I will need my USA Kilts Glen Cairn glass. The much sought after. Much sought after, highly coveted USA Kilts Glen Cairn glass. And we're gonna do a little a little try. I guess that's the right dosage-ish. Sure. Wow, that's, I can smell the menthol from here. Mm, I can taste the antihistamines from here. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right, so we have a, uh, the nose. Is a bit orange and medicinal, perhaps. Hmm. Hmm. A bit sweet. It's a little astringent, yes, maybe. A little, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dextro and HBR. Hmm. So, slanja. <laughs> it definitely has legs. It is uh, coated the inside of the glass. Hmm. It's got a. A mentholiptus back of the mouth taste. Okay. So yeah. is that kind of a menthol finish? Okay. I can't pull air did through you, it. You it's too put, thick. I put some drops of water in it. You know, get the yes, get the, 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 the the aroma, the bloom. Yeah. I can taste the nasal congestion. Okay. It's the indeed. congestant or the congestion. Exactly. Ugh. <laughs> okay. Wow, that is the orangest I've ever seen. It looks like Iron Brew in there. Almost. Almost. Yeah. 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 Very good. <laughs> Mr. Mac, are we almost ready? Um, this looks like we're having audio issues right now. Oh, no. Okay. Adam, Adam is talking to us on here. The, so. um, the black box is registering little green dots. So I'm going to guess that the problem is either on the mixer or... He's on, asking on if the computer. cords plugged into the computer and it's plugged in the computer and the board. I'm assuming Adam. Is, can is, anyone hear us? I'm assuming Adam is at home and uh, and tuned in. Although everyone's having fun time with the audio not working. <laughs> okay. Um. I don't do sign. Yeah. I don't think most people. <laughs> Wave your right hand if you've been kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's kind of craptacular. Um, are you kidding me? This guy. Mac, kill it. I'm working on it. We need to have... There are three black buttons underneath the gray cable. Do any of those need to be pushed? 
There, we there go. it is. All right, now you're gonna hit. Yeah. Go live on that one. I'm going back to this computer. Okay. You tell me. Yes, they are saying that they can hear us. Cool. Excellent. Still waiting for the other okay. computer, and we're <clears throat> we'll figure that out. <laughs> I'll work on that one while we're going. Ah, yes, the the joys of live television. I uh, theater. I I think this is because you didn't start with the jersey on That's the true. first time. That's true. I think I need more Dayquil. I, yeah. Did anybody yeah. see the Dayquil bit? They did. They couldn't hear it. Couldn't we hear recorded it. it, but they couldn't hear it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hello, everyone out there. <laughs> Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I am Rocky. This is Eric. I hope you can hear us this time. Um, today is Friday the thirteenth. So our, so of course, of course, we had issues today. That's awesome. Um, Adam threw his back out. I'm sick, not getting audio on the live. This is just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful day for us here at USA Kills. Oh, man. Um, so, today, we have a special try. We're not really going to try anything. I tried some Dayquil earlier. Magnifique. Um, but, today, we're actually going to try and play a game. We're going to do a Stump the Chumps, as it were. Yep. You have your, you you have your, your sign. sign. Yeah, I got mine. We have our signs. Yep. Um, Mr. Mac who's over there behind the camera, um, is going to be when, when asking ready, questions when you're ready, Mac. Okay. about Friday the 13th to Eric and I. He's going to ask and, about uh, Gaelic superstitions. Yes. So it's not all necessarily Friday the 13th related because the jury's out on whether Friday the 13th is a traditional thing or a modern invention. <clears throat> um, it may only be really more of a 20th century thing, according to some people. It's but, a thing. Uh, that... But but spooks and bad luck and uh, technicians who uh, throw their backs out, you know, an hour before the show goes live and all stuff. That's uh, apparently it's true enough for me. Only, yeah. Now yeah. I'm I'm a little bit scared because you already are saying more things than I know about things. So my good luck is my USA Kills hockey jersey, number thirteen. I got to do what I got to do to win this. I don't have any. Do I have any luck on me? Uh, is your yeah. tie clip a good luck? I'll say we'll say my tie bar is tie bar? is good yeah. luck. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. My All right. Tie bar. All right. It looks like we lost the audio again. <laughs> wow. That's what the crowd's saying. This is wonderful. Sounds of Silence supposed to be the song, not a live video. Um. All right. Did we lose the audio? <laughs> True. <laughs> It looks like we're back. We're back right now. Yes! I, we're back. I'm going to smudge the heck out of this studio, guys. This is... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We need, like, incense and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sage. Yes. Frankincense and myrrh, too. Okay, I so... <laughs> I, I <don't> know. <laughs> uh, thank you for your patience, those of you who are still there. This is um, wonderful. Yeah. I'm so happy we're doing all this. <laughs> It's perfect. It's perfect. It's the perfect. They're going to think we did this on purpose. Oh. I I wish we did this on purpose. <laughs> I really yeah, do. Right? Yeah. Seriously. Our equipment is possessed. First, There's a it threw Adam's the... back out. Yeah. Then it attacked our equipment. There's a puka in the studio. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Yes. Apparently, Edward Montgomery's uh, running a poll on how long our audio is going to last. So, Okay. Thanks, I want, Monty. I want 5% money. <laughs> so remember, the house always gets a cut. Have fun editing yeah. this video. Oh, yeah. To oh, make yeah, this coherent <laughs> by any good. stretch of the imagination. I'm going to do all these voiceovers with different voices. <clears throat> you know, like... friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Right. You think things are settled in there? That being Matt? said, 
Mac. So so far. Okay. All right. Knock wood. We're all right. Now, without further ado, <laughs> our Friday the thirteenth challenge. Stump the chumps. Bum bum bum. Yeah. I need some kind of like intro music for that right okay. there. Yeah, we can do that. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Mac, All right. question number one. Question one. True or false? We need to keep track of who. Okay. I, I got a pen over oh, here, so awesome. okay. Okay. we will keep track of that. Okay. <laughs> Say it's all me. <laughs> She's like, I write the checks. <laughs> <laughs> I signed the checks, Mac. <laughs> all right. True or false? The birth of a black sheep was a sign of bad luck. Mm. False. It is true. Oh, uh, okay. I thought that was too easy. Yes, it's too uh, obvious. Bad okay. luck for the flock. Uh, twin, bla uh, twin black sheep meant a bad, uh, bad lambing, and a sort. It's also the source of the black sheep of the family. And well, I also, figured black sheep of the family was yeah. just like you know the weird one. Yeah. You know, it also the, adds into that someone will die within the first year. Nice. of that lamb. Okay. It's so, pretty metal. That's pretty bad. It's metal. So that was right. a that was a no one. That's a that. zero. And that's a Scottish one. Uh, that yeah. information I don't have. Okay. Okay. I think most of these are Scottish. <clears throat> All right. Wow. Uh, okay. Number two. So far, did you did you say true? I, no, I said false. Oh, yeah. we're off to bed. Tied. Okay. So right. number two, true or false? Mm -hmm. A howdy was a short was a short of a midwife who would make sure that certain rituals were observed in order to ensure the safety of a newborn child. A howdy. A howdy. Howdy. H o. W-D-I-E. Ready? One, yep, two, yep. three. It is true. That is points for both. I guess true, because there's no way in hell that somebody can make that thing up. <laughs> well, howdy. I know. I'm like, howdy do. And so the baby comes out and say, well, howdy. Howdy, little guy. It's howdy doody time. Is that what the midwife says when the kid comes out? Uh, they would uh, no. un do uh, <laughs> unity knots, unlock doors and windows. They would okay. make sure occupants were not crossing arms or legs when the child was being born and more. Okay. So they were like crowd control. Okay. Bouncers. Magic crowd yes. control, yeah. Okay. Okay, number three. Number three. Uh, true <clears throat> or false? Michael Francis Mosley are considered uh, Scotland's unlucky, unluckiest couple. That's Michael? Michael Francis. Michael and Francis? Yes, Michael and Francis Mosley. Okay. Not Michael Francis. Are considered Scotland's unluckiest, unluckiest couple. couple. Ready? Uh, sure. One, two, three. It is true. So points for both again. Because why would you name a couple if they were the luckiest couple yeah. in Scotland? What? Like you know he what could, mean? see now I'm in Adam's head. If well, I'm gonna give away my secret. But if like why would he like like would he change like no? It's Michael and John. <laughs> gotcha. Whoa, whoa, no. whoa! Mike there. Yeah. Um, no. So okay, I'm in his head. Okay, Mac. Okay. Why am I right? So they suffered over 500 accidents, or 500, over 50 accidents, 20 requ requiring hospitalization. Wow. Their hotel room collapsed while Francis was bathing. Uh, he was injured in a motorcycle <laughs> when struck by a car that Francis was driving. <clears throat> wow. Uh, she broke both legs falling down a six-foot hole. He broke a leg tripping over a puppy. Um, and then it just goes on and on and on and on. Was this okay? How many okay. of those were on Friday the 13th? That's what I want to. I don't know. It's unlucky. It's okay. Yeah. It's that's uh, there's some leeway. All right. Were they cartoon characters by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> a little little uh, did little, the hole like... say Acme on the side? 
<laughs> All right, next. All right, so the next one is a uh, another true or false. Um, Satan was sometimes referred to as the one whom I will not mention. And Adam has this written as true or Harry Potter. Do 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 do. Yep. One two three. three. It is true. Yep. Damn it. <laughs> Too late. I, I was thinking like he was gonna be like Sauron. I'm like, I think I, I think well, Tolkien got all those ideas from traditional folklore of the British Isles and Scandinavia. So the idea of having a, a, an evil that's taboo, you don't even speak the name. That's pretty common across the globe. I think so. I'm not surprised. So he okay. has a yeah. list here as the devil Beetlejuice. Was, was called that and record. It was recorded by F.G. Campbell and collected from a Highland oral traditions during the late 1800s. So okay, that's okay. okay. All right, I'm one down. Back. Are you on screen, by the way? I you am on your camera. On? Cool. Yes, okay. I am. All right. <clears throat> All right. So number five. Five, five, five. The wearing of a kilt backwards on the nights before the for Halloween and other more. Ritual mystic nights would mm -hmm. help warn off fairy raids. Is that true or false? Ready? One, two, three. That is false. That was completely made up by me and Adam. Ah, uh, okay. So there's no. Oh, oh I see how it is now. We're getting into the ones that you made up. Mm hmm. You bloody bastard liar. All right. So number six. Okay. That's my level. See, seeing a woman washing clothes in the midst of a stream or lake in the wilderness signals that you would have. A well-kept home. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. It is false. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad news. That one I know. That so, one I know. do you want to elaborate on that one? Then? Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Irish hero, and he is off to what's going to be his ultimate battle against the bad guys. Forgive me, Irish folks. Please correct me on, in the comments. Um, but he sees this is this is considered one of the first instances of a, of a banshee. But he sees a woman washing uh, the clothes <clears throat> of of uh, men's clothing and 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 washing the blood out of them, and and it's a omen that he's going to die. I can't remember. I think in some version of the story, she actually says to him, you know, or he asks her, you know, whose clothes are are you washing? And she says yours, or something like that. But um, and I I'm. I'm mortified. Okay. I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, it's it's Mac? bad, bad mojo. Yeah, that that is one of the one of the um, the theories behind it. The other one is seeing a washwoman was an ill omen. The washwoman washed clothes of the dead, yeah. and if you saw her, you were soon to die. There you go. Um, the other I thought one it was like just like a wash, like like the the woman washing stuff. Yeah, I but I think, I think context is part of it. Remember, I mean, you know, like in a wilderness area, especially in the mist, which is a liminal thing. You know, I'm yeah. blaming this on the Dayquil. Okay. I well, what I'm talking about. and and the the other part of this, which this may answer part of where you're going with Rocky, is the washroom were thought to be the souls of women who died before their time mm. in childbirth. Okay. If any unwashed clothes were left in the house, she would spend the rest of the balance of those unlived years as a washwoman before her spirit could find rest. That's harsh, yo. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. Okay. Way to way to start the show, guys. <laughs> I. Next. Cool. Spookerific, right. man. Number seven. One should not speak the name of the day on Friday hmm. lest they upset the fairies. Um, I'm torn one. on this one. All right. Okay. Ready? One, yeah. two, three. Go. 
It is true. Damn it! I thought it. See, I'm. I'm I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. I'm like. I thought it was gonna be like you know. No, it's Saturday. <laughs> no, because Saturday is Roman. Friday is. Freya. I don't know. I do just like, thought you were gonna say a different Freya's day. day. And Freya, you could consider like a queen of the fairies in some some aspects. So. so Friday was referred to as the day of yonder town, mm-hmm. and on Fridays the fairies were prone to. Uh, uh, impromptly entering uh, people's houses. Okay. 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 Cool. So nothing about the 13s. Not yet. <laughs> Got it. Next. So it's pretty cool. N- number eight. He was unlucky to speak well of any evil. Any evil? That's. I what... speak well of this guy all the time. <laughs> huh. I don't know. Wish this was sharper. <laughs> Is it unlucky to insult your boss on live television? Um, <laughs> on payday. <laughs> on payday. Um, uh, okay. I think I'm ready. Ready? All right. Ready? One, two, three. It is false. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. That one just felt a little too vague to me. All right. Yeah. Too vague to me. It's by giving misfortune, diseases, and troublesome fairies a good name. Um, Oh, like giving them a good name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, All right. So like, one would not bring it upon themselves to do oh, such Oh, okay. Okay. Next. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Rock's like, move on. Let's let's shoot this old yeller. <laughs> All right. Number nine. <laughs> you should not ask for a knife on a boat or a skin on a boat. Sounds cool, but I don't know. Um, one, two, three. It is true. Damn. You got it right. I know. I was hoping you were going to get it wrong. Maybe I can catch up. <laughs> uh, while on a boat, it was forbidden to call things by uh, call things the names by which they were known on land. Oh, okay. That sounds vaguely familiar. So yeah, a, okay. a knife would be called the sharp one. <laughs> I Give me the stabby stick. <laughs> I was going to go with Mac. <laughs> well, it's listed as, I want to say, See what you did there. Gar, G-H-I-A-R. Which is also apparently huh. translates to the sharp one. So okay, fair. We're gonna okay. go that way. In Gaelic, yeah. Sure. I, okay. okay, let's say so. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for the pronunciations and the butchering. Yeah, always, always. butchering. Ah, ah, ah. Hand me the butcherer. A little stabby, stabby. <laughs> yes. All right, number ten. If a rowan tree was found on your property, it a was what to, tree? A rowan, rowan tree. Okay. Oh damn it! I'm already dead. It was <laughs> to be cut down immediately. True I don't know what a rowan tree Ready? is. Ready? All right, one, two, three. It is false. It's probably a good luck thing, and I'm, yeah. Rowan's, right. Rowan's good luck. Okay. It's protection against witches and yep. other evils. If yeah. it were a yew tree, Ugh. a yew tree would be bad luck. Why would you have a yew tree? Yeah, I know, right? It's better than a toxic. Y tree. They're toxic, for one thing. I heard that uh, lanternflies love yew trees. No. That's century plants. Oh, but, yeah. Fair. All right. Trees of heaven. Trees of heaven. That was it. That's yeah. It. See, you know stuff. Well, you're good. Because my yard is infested with lanternflies. Oh. Uh, yeah. Horrible. <clears throat> yes, pretty much. All right. Number All right. eleven. The McLeod of Sky Banner brought good luck in battle. Ready? One, two, three. It is true. Eric looked like he already had that one before it started. It's not that simple, though. It's not that simple. It's it's good luck in battle, but if you're carrying the banner, you're dead. The it's the the the, the sacrifice for the victory is the, the 
the lord, the lord of the clan or whoever's holding the banner, as I recall. Basically, if you're carrying the banner, then you're 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 for it. So I'll hand you my banner, <laughs> and I'll lean this way. All right, uh, Eric won. I thought it just went to eleven. White hot death. I thought we had a thirteen. No, no, no Eric. We're Rocky done. stopped the game. Done. All right, I threw in a towel. Well, Eric would have. He would have won. Yeah, there was there's a no way to mathematical improbability. Okay, unless he can get negative points for the last one. <laughs> the last one's worth ten points. No. Sudden death. Sorry. See, I threw my thing, but I thought we were actually done. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, if you guys like this segment, though, let me know. Let us know in the comments because uh, we want to try and keep doing interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Next time, it'll actually be about the number 13. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So you get rid of that thing. I know. There's been a lot Zero luck. There's been a lot of people asking about jerseys, about the hockey jersey, and I knew that was going to happen yeah. as soon as you put it on. I knew people were going to be like, "Where can I get one of those jerseys?" There's, there's quite when a few. You're dead sexy in a hockey jersey. Mm -hmm. Yes, the uh, the hockey jersey was a uh, custom thing we did a little while ago um, for my deck hockey team. Yeah, yay, fighting USA kilts. Lions. Um, yes. <laughs> so the lions. Yeah, we did a, a custom run of it and offered it to uh, people on the Facebook page. Trying to do a. Lion sign. You, I can't yeah. figure it out. Rawr, rawr. No. Um, <laughs> so if we ever do another custom run, watch our Facebook page, USA Kilts, and we'll put up there and see if anyone else wants to get in on the uh, on yeah. the jerseys. Yeah. Cool. Very good. All right. Mr. Mac, do we have any questions from the audience? Everybody was so glued Outside to their... of where's the audio? Yeah, yeah, they, they, currently, they, that's been uh, the the topic is the audio, and uh, there's they, been they some, all these questions where they forgot them. Some yes, amazing you know. comments with the with the audio being down, and I, then I uh, bet. then it's been all about the your jersey. So uh, okay, fair enough. Okay. And in case you missed the first segment, which wasn't aired, which we'll have to splice in, um, I am fighting a cold, so I am hopped up on Dayquil and mouth drops and coffee. So we'll see how this goes. Just remember to err is human. Yes. Uh, all right. I am immortal. Let's give you a question. I'll give you one that you like. Uh, Jim Caird. I've seen photos of people wearing their hose at different distances below the knees. Is there a correct way to judge this? How high or how low should your kilt hose be? <clears throat> um, there's no right or wrong answer. Just kind of a range. Um, for me, what I would do is basically the three-finger rule. Tuck your index finger underneath the bottom of your kneecap. And the top, or excuse me, the bottom of your ring finger should be basically at the top of your kilt hose. And your kilt itself should be mid, basically mid-knee. When you're wearing a kilt, you want to see about four or five inches. You want to see from the middle of your kneecap to, you know, the top of shin, like right below yeah. the bump, below your yeah. knee kind of thing. So about that far, you know, three inches below the top, uh, bottom of your kneecap is about where the top of your hose should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want it to look like you're wearing tights. You don't want it to look like you're wearing uh, athletic socks. So, yeah, you want yeah. some separation. Yeah, it's just it's proportionally it looks good. I yeah, think too. Agree. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Evan, Evan S, uh, was saying uh, this is an interesting one actually. Um, he's curious, why isn't USA kilts on the recommended list of <clears throat> Scottish designers and weavers uh, for the tartan register? We are not on the list. We should remedy that. 
tartan register. Uh, now, the uh, basically, I believe that it's just Scottish companies that are on the list. Yeah. Um, we took a poke at that the other day when we got the question in, um, and it just looks like a bunch of different Scottish companies that are on there. So there's no uh, no real reason other than they're they're scared. They're scared of us Americans. <laughs> don't, <laughs> now, want any, don't want any of us uh, <clears throat> uh, continental colonials. Uh, yes. Yeah, horning in. Exactly. I don't know, but I don't know what their scope is. I mean, I, I applaud them for doing it because I think it's important that you know the the local mill, the local you know mills and makers be boosted um, because they're fighting the imports from overseas, just like you know any of us are. Um, so I think it's a good thing they're doing it. I don't hold it against them. I'm just they, curious what their what, what their what rationale the, what is. What their criteria? Yeah, but, is. yeah, exactly. What their yeah. criteria is? There's there because there's there's not like eighty of them. There's like a couple dozen, maybe. Mm, um, okay. And I know there's a lot more companies than that in Scotland, mm. so I don't know. Or Interesting how, question. How often do they update it? That'd be the other question. True, and frankly, we haven't asked. Hmm. We can ask to be on it. See Maybe we should. Say. Maybe we should. We'll tell them Evan told us to. Yes. Yeah. Thank cool. you, Evan. Okay. Um, this is the last <clears throat> of the three that I knew you'd want to do. So this one's from Ari, Ari Rokicio. Rokicio. Forgive the pronunciation. Um, this is a technical fashion problem. Uh, wearing a wide kilt belt is tight and uncomfortable when I sit down, so I tend to wear a kilt with a jeans belt or no belt at all. Uh, I'm a skinny guy and my natural waist is pretty low, so how can I change how I wear the kilt so I can enjoy uh, a nice fancy kilt belt? <coughs> or is it a faux pas to wear a jeans belt at all? The, I'll, I'll say this. I'm. I'm going to make the assumption that he's talking about a traditional kilt, not a yeah. utility kilt or something like that. Um, the uh, there's no picture attached to the question, so I'm I'm going to guess that he's wearing it a bit low. Um, he Could says be. his Could waist be. is low, but I'm thinking he's wearing it closer to like where he wears his jeans, not his traditional waist up above his belly button. I think I think the belt, yeah, the, the a thick kilt belt is probably run, running into his hip bones. Yeah, because he's wearing it low is my guess. I mean, yeah, Evan, if you're listening, please send, send us some pictures and we can assess more directly. Um, but yeah, he's probably wearing it low. Uh, the belt wants to rest up above the bones. Yeah, you know, like so. Um, and that's why that's with the assumption also that you're wearing a traditional kilt up around the navel, you know, which is the proper height for doing that. And maybe he's so skinny, he doesn't have much of a shape either. So his kilt is riding down. Um, if it's not a custom fitted kilt, it may be you know sliding yeah. down and naturally falling down towards his hips. Yeah, there's there's a few variables that I'm not quite seeing in my mind's eye. The uh, the one thing I will say is a a kilt belt at two and a quarter inches after you kind of develop an eye for it just looks right, quote unquote, um, while you're wearing a kilt. A jeans belt at an inch and a half or an inch and a quarter wide looks a little narrow yeah. and proportionately a little bit off. Yeah. When you're wearing a kilt, so I would, I'd highly recommend wearing a kilt belt with a with a kilt, um, or no belt at all. You know, you don't have to wear a belt, um, especially if you're having a sweater vest yeah, you have on. A layer or on it doesn't matter. You don't like need a belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I would say. And if the kilt is not custom fitted, it's more likely that maybe <coughs> sliding down, like I was saying. So, um, yeah, there's no different causes for way why it might not be fitting right. But uh, I would definitely either go with no belt. Uh, or try and make a, a proper kilt belt fit. Try hiking the kilt up some. I mean, see if you can tighten it down more. See if it feels different or uh, looks different when you look in a mirror. Um, 
And remember, when you look in a full-length mirror, try to step away from the mirror so you're not getting an optical illusion. Uh, what we usually say like nine feet. Yeah, ten feet back. From ten the feet back. So, so yeah. basically, that you don't you don't have an angle problem with telling where the kilt is falling. And you may find that yeah, the kilt is riding low, and uh, you just have to tighten up the the waist buckles a little bit. Yeah, it may be simple, but the narrow belt only really looks okay with like a casual kilt or a utility kilt. I would, yeah, and I, yeah. just for for the record, when we say we're in, wearing it at the proper height, we mean two inches above the belly button. The kilt, basically your hip bone, which is the if you jab your thumb in on the side of your body, right in line with your belly button, that is where you should be cinching your kilt down. So it's actually cinching on a bone so right. it doesn't fall down. And then the top of the kilt would sit about two inches above that point. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Hope, hope that helps. helps. Jinx. Mr. Mac. So I'm glad you, you said that because we actually did have that question come across there. So okay. that worked yeah. out perfectly there. Cool. Um, John uh, is asking, uh, have you guys identified your tartans yet? So thanks, John. <clears throat> of okay. course we did. It was just during the audio club. <laughs> Which reminds me. Keep talking. Go ahead. Today, I am wearing the Stuart Hunting Weathered Tweed fabric. Um, this is actually a tweed kilt made in Stuart Hunting Tartan. Um, yeah, it came out recently. It was one of uh, Martin Mill's newer uh, patterns they came out with about, what, Mac, six months ago, eight months ago? Yeah, roughly around um, there. Yeah, so as soon as I saw it, had to have it, loved it, done. Yeah, they're awesome. I, I don't think the camera probably does it, does it justice, honestly. It's just... It's just really soft and natural and rustic looking. Yeah, it's marled. Really cool. Yeah, it's a very, very good. I like the the fact that it's weathered in tweed because the marling and the and the darker subdued colors kind of mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. yeah. There may be some more tweed tartans coming out soon, possibly. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay. It, Martin Mills and, and Lock Heron are the two that are doing the tweed tartan thing. Okay. House of Edgar okay. is doing something a little bit different, a little bit cool. Watch this space, as they say. Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 I feel like there was some more coming <clears throat> down the pike at some point. But um, if you're curious about them, write us. Um, if you don't have a kilt yet, you might want to go for a more standard treatment of your tartan. Uh, but if you're a multi-kilt owner, a serial kilter, as we say, um, this is like the thing you want to have in the collection. It's pretty super cool. Um, I'm just wearing Sterling. This is a, a you know classic uh, tartan for us. You designed it. Was it you or Kelly, right? Me. It was you. Um, and it was originally developed to have a neutral tartan that would go with anything, especially with an eye towards um, wedding parties. Because sometimes, in America at least, um, wedding parties, especially brides, will have concerns about whether a tartan is going to look right on the groomsmen, you know, or if it's going to be clashy or whatever. So um, you developed this as a neutral that would be elegant yep. and useful for... Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the origin of it was uh, we were going to do rental at one point. We did rental at one point. And we wanted to have a few different tartans that anybody could wear, so universals. Mm -hmm. yep. And this was one of the ones, we, you know, we originally thought doing a, a darker color one, a red one, and then having a gray one as well. So this was the gray one that we offered, which was Sterling. Um, sterling, you know, as in Sterling Silver, you know, a gray kind of color. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I like it. It's been a, it's yeah. been a good seller for us in the PV. Um, and we did a run of it in the wool, so. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna use this as a jumping off point. Uh, Brian Taylor had asked us, uh, what is your go-to tartan? You can only pick one. What would be your one and only go-to tartan? <coughs> one just... tartan for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Desert Island, one kilt. Yeah, Desert Island tartan. I would probably say, without sounding like a suck up, 
my wedding tartan kilt, the uh, Scott Green Weathered. Mm -hmm. It is a good. I like weathered tartans because you can you can easily they they pair very easily with tweeds. They pair it. They just feel more earthy, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Yep. Um, and you can also dress them up as well. So like you know, I wore the Scott Green Weathered for my wedding um, with a black argyle jacket, and it looked great dressed up as well as dressed down. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. would be my my desert island kilt. Okay. I uh, I will be I will I will fudge this one. I have, I have to I have, I can't narrow it down very easily. Um my favorite uh tartans tend to be darker, you know. And I have to say sterling <coughs> would probably be my easiest go-to uh for the very reason we're talking about, the fact that you can pair it with anything like, you know, crazy colored ties, you know, it's not you know, it's not going to clash with anything. Um, barring that, I would go with Stuart Gray because it's the it's my favorite version of my clan tartan. That would be that would be my my go to. But you have to pick one. Then, in case any members of this clan society show up at the island, I better go with Stuart Gray. Okay. I don't want to be improperly attired. Yeah, <laughs> my brother show up. So fair. Yeah. Fair yeah. Good. See, I'm trying. I'm always trying to think of other people. Very, very empathic that way. Very good of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Very I try. Kind man. Yeah, thanks. You're kind it. eyes, Eric. I do. <laughs> you are so high on, on Dayquil right now. Uh, wow. I need a nap. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mac. Well, Kelly agrees with both your choices, by the way. Oh, so. hi, Kelly. <laughs> hi, hon. <laughs> um, so, well, since we're on the topic of choosing tartans, uh, Victor is asking Is it true you can only wear your clan's tartan? No. Yeah, it's a classic question, but the answer is no. Yeah, there are there are literally hundreds at this point of universal tartans. <laughs> Mine's over there somewhere. Uh, there are literally uni hundreds of universal tartans that are district tartans, that are city tartans, that are you know just fun tartans. The Sterling tartan. Yeah. There are a lot of different ones that you can wear for anything. There are you know firefighter and law enforcement tartans. There there are a ton of options. So to to narrow it down and say no, you're only allowed to wear your clan tartan does a disservice to the entire thing that is kilts that is tartan yeah i was raised thinking that i was raised thinking that you had to only wear your clan tartan um it wasn't until i started working here that i you know my eyes were opened but uh but yeah it's um i think what we usually like to say is that you don't want to go to a clan gathering uh if you're wearing a tartan that is not your family's you know and, and try to pass yourself off as a member of the clan that would just be rude you don't want to pretend you're a member of that clan but there's nothing wrong with wearing another clan's tartan simply because you appreciate the look of it or because you appreciate the history behind the clan or any number of other reasons. Um, what's the analogy you have about baseball hats? It's kind yeah, of you don't wear a, you know, an Eagles hat with a Steelers jersey or a Ravens jersey or something. You, you know, you want to just basically have a team that you're supporting. Right, but, you, but yeah. just because you're wearing a baseball hat doesn't mean you're a member of the Phillies. Got it. Right. Sorry, mixing my yeah. analogies. I have See, too many... It's Dayquil. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, too many analogies. Right. The Yeah. So yeah, it's exactly. basically yeah, like you know, like so again to reiterate, just because I wear a Phillies ball cap doesn't mean I'm a member of the Phillies. It just means I appreciate the Phillies. So you can wear any tartan you want. It's totally fine, right? Agreed. Cool. Any more, Mac? So yeah, we got a few more here. Um, let's see, we got uh, David is asking uh, any advice on sewing with wool. Uh, making a kilt or other gar and other garments. He saw a recent video about <coughs> kilt makings. He, uh, he's wondering if we have any any advice or any 
any more information we could give him. On how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, sewing with wool. Is he making his own kilt? Is that where he's coming from, or it, I'm guessing because it does say so? kilt making gotcha. in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, not sewing, but cutting. You you don't have to cut wool entirely. You can cut it and tear it because of the twill weave. It'll tear in a straight line. Um, sewing with it, there's no... Mac, back me up on this. There's no real trick to sewing with wool. It's just, you know, feeling the, the tension of the cloth in your hand and getting it right, just like you would with spandex or you would with, you know, cotton or you would with polyester. There's a certain... The feed dogs and the machine grab the fabric at a specific rate, um, and then the top layer of fabric that you're sewing against is uh, pushing against the Teflon coating on the bottom of the feet. So making sure all those layers are being fed into the machine at the same rate and the same tension, um, and making sure that the tension of the, the thread is properly aligned. There's no, yeah, it can there's be no a real bit, trick to it. It can be a little bit more spongier it, it, as far as like yeah. compared to a cotton or anything like that. It, it's just try test pieces. Do some test work first. That's that's, that's a really good yes. point. That's a really good point. Always do a beta test with any when you're with any project, really. But you know, try and test out your materials on something you don't care about. Um, yeah, I know. I don't sew, but my wife constantly talks about you know adjusting the tension on the machine based on what she's doing. Um, I think the the probably I wouldn't overthink it is what I'm what I'm hearing is basically try yeah. it out. Try a couple of different settings on the machine. Make sure it feels like it's going smoothly. Um, probably exercise more caution if you're going through layers, like if you're doing a waistband or something. Isn't that right? You guys always have to. That's that's yeah. Well, the for, harder part, for a right? wool kilt, generally through. you scallop out a lot of the fabric, so it's mm -hmm. not too mm -hmm. too bad. Mm -hmm. um, but the the only other thing that popped in my head was making sure you're using the right needle. Um, you don't want to use okay. like a silk needle, like a okay. really really fine. You want to use like a 110, um, something that's got a universal needle, so to speak. Um, something that's a little bit thicker. Ball, is it ballpoint? Is what they're called versus a sharp. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you don't want the, the needle to come down and pierce the fabric. You want it to come down and effectively work its way through. So it's technically it's a ball point, even though it's still pointing on the top. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's there's no real tricks to it. Um, just kind of yeah, practice and get in there and, and if, feel it. And if you're sewing with a machine, make sure the machine can handle it. It's some like home machines can't handle going through certain thicknesses, and it just it just yeah aren't built for it. Yeah, that's why. True. That's why my wife keeps a treadle machine <clears throat> around still because sometimes it's just it's safer to go with a something you can have that much slow control over. You know. Yeah. Hope that helps. Not sure if it does. Yeah, I had a <laughs> I had a related question here about um, uh, kilt making advice, but I'll find it later. So okay. I'm gonna hold this up while I look for it. So, Mr. Mac. All right. So Mark McDowell. <clears throat> hey Mark. Hey Mark. Is uh, asking where he can find replacement tassels for a dress sporn. Replacement tassels for a dress board. Um, right. We've provided them if it's something we made, right? Yes, it depends. Um, generally, it's not. Replacement tassels aren't something that are generally sold too often. Um, and the problem really comes in getting one replacement tassel or two replacement tassels. Frankly speaking, replace all three of them. Um, if you have, if you have one bovine tassel or one seal skin or one rabbit fur or whatever, it may not match the color of the other two tassels. Yeah. So if you're going to replace them, replace all three. Um, it's not something you want to just try to do one of. Yeah, it's natural material, so the pelt's going to be different. Um, replacing one could be odd. I mean, if you're really up against it, I guess you could make sure that the, the oddball is in the center because there's usually three. But uh, I'd rather, yeah, I think I'd play it safe and 
replace all three. Yeah. yeah. Cross chains would be a bit more difficult to replace. Um, They're a hassle to to work with. I can yeah. tell you that, having repaired yeah. sporns here. But uh, but that being said, it's not often you lose a cross chain tassel because there's two chains holding it on. Yeah, that's, and that's you know that's I aesthetically I've always preferred cross chains. Yeah. Um, but Me too. yeah, from a technical standpoint, also I'd say they're more rugged. You know, there's a reason they were invented. They're um, they don't make quite as bad of a drumming. I don't think. That's exactly what I was going to say. They don't yeah. drum as much because they don't yeah. go side to side and up and down. They just only go up and down. So yeah. there's they're held in place a little bit better. Yeah, they're definitely more secure. I've had a couple of I, I understand the 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 annoyance because I've had a couple of occasions where I came close to a tassel just ripping off a single tassel, single chain tassel, and just like it gets caught on something, you yep. know, and it's just ugh. but um yeah, I, um now if we if it's a spawn that we provided, can we help them get tassels that be appropriate fit? Yeah, I we, but I, uh, my point would be it's not something we have on the website, but my point would no, be if you're gonna replace no. A tassel, replace all three. Right. Um, and tassels don't have to be the same fur as the sporin. If mm -hmm. you have a fox fur sporin and want to replace three tassels on it, you can get like you know a, a gray, well, I don't know, gray bow, black, gray, but black rabbit black fur or musquash yep. would be good. Um, or if you have a gray bovine sporin, black tassels would look fine there too. Yeah, change it up a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. having a two-tone kind of thing with the sporin isn't a bad thing. Yeah, not uncommon. Anything Mr. Else? Mac. So, <clears throat> Rocky's kilt seems to be a, a good topic of conversation on the, through the thread here. That's pretty so Some awesome. people are asking if the if you have have a minute that you could stand up to that they could see it a little bit better. And then this also goes with a question that came yeah, in. Yeah, no, no guarantees on how the camera angle is going to look, <laughs> yeah. or, the, or the focus. But uh, um, oh, the, the mic, the mic in the head. This is the, and I'm probably speaking very loudly in the mic now. This is the Stewart hunting weathered tartan. Um, it is, uh, it, it's nice. It's a little, uh, softer, a little bit softer than a, uh, yeah. uh, our usual material, like kilt material, but it's still made a nice kilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there any other specific questions? Well, there was or? a question that came in that, that asked about, uh, could, do they, is there availability or the capability of having a tweed in PV? No. Not really. The, it's tweed. Yeah, I mean, you could do you could do something in another material that fakes the pattern of a tweed, but it wouldn't be a true tweed just because the nature of tweed is how the, how it's constructed in the first place. Yeah, you know the uh, one thing that we've done before in polyviscose fabrics is used marled yarns, yeah. and marled yarns basically means you take two shades of gray, for instance, and when they when they have individual yarn you know threads they twist two of them together so you take two shades of gray and twist them together and it gives like a kind of rough textured effect yeah. to the fabric without it actually being textured um so like sterling yeah like so sterling. this one's wool yeah, there's, but, there's yeah. a marled thread in this yeah absolutely um but now there's no easy way to use make a tweed pv Type fabric, no. Yeah, but you can you can you can get some of the color variations and a little bit of the feel by using marled thread, but it's not. Yep. It's never going to behave the same, quite the same because An approximation. Um, yeah, because tweed, it's specifically it's how it's how the threads are interwoven, and I forget what the actual formula is. You remember what the formula for tweed? No, there, this is a. There's a specific way that tweed is constructed, which makes it tweed. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about it yet. It's something I'm kind I'm of used to. But it's one of those millions of facts <coughs> I read about and then forget. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's that. <laughs> um, 
it's this is a twill weave, but it's not. Right. It's, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll do research and get back to you. But marled, marled thread would be the way to get a, a more yeah. rustic look in any fabric, basically. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Mack. All right. So uh, David is asking, would you recommend wearing a kilt while racing or just riding a motorcycle? We know plenty of people who do. Uh, riding, uh, I can't say about racing. Um, I think the uh, the guys who ride them, it's more usually like a casual riding. You know, like we're talking like big Harleys and stuff, um, or or like uh, clubs are doing a parade kind of a thing. Um, like the some of the like the POW things down in Washington and stuff like that. You know, but yeah. Rolling um, Thunder. Yeah, Rolling Thunder. Thank you. Um, I think a lot of the time it's uh, it's just a matter of uh, tucking properly so you don't have to worry about flare up fly up that's uh, that's what i know about it the from, thing, as an outsider the thing yeah. that scares me literally would scare me about wearing a kilt on a either a bike or motorcycle like you know bicycle or motorcycle is having that much fabric flowing down behind me of the pleats and the propensity for it to get sucked into the wheel and then get caught in the wheel or in machinery um yeah. There's, uh, we had one guy who uh, came in, asked us to repair his kilt. Mac, do you remember this? He came in, he had, maybe it was, he came up to us at Celtic Classic, um, and his kilt got sucked into his motorcycle, and it literally ripped about uh. six inches off the bottom of his kilt, and he laid uh. his bike down and everything. Um, so it was one of those, like, yeah, I, I just, I know a lot of guys do it. I can't see that it's a good idea. Yeah, I think again, like if you if it's if you're just cruising or something, maybe it'd be okay. But high speeds, it, cruising or not, like yeah, anything yeah. over two miles an hour with fabric flowing yeah. behind you that close well, that, to a wheel whipping around. Maybe maybe it really comes down to tucking effectively if you're going to try it. To me, it would come but. down to not wearing a kilt on a bike, <laughs> packing it in the saddlebag, and then putting it on when I get there. Yeah, let's do it this way: if you're going to try it, don't use a kilt you care about. But you know, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I like to give people a chance to. They can do it all they want. I don't yeah. want them to die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Please, public service announcement for today: Don't die. Yeah. We just had a comment. Just think of the road rash. For uh, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's nah. okay. To me, it's not worth the risk. Mm -hmm. It's you know, gee, I could wreck my bike, wreck my kilt, and have you know. Road rash where I don't want road rash. Yeah. Is there really a good place to get road rash? There isn't. No. But there's there's, there's less good worse. places. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yes. Please let's move on, Mr. Mack. All right. So Mark is asking: Does a tartan or a non-black bow tie constitute semi-formal and therefore a semi-formal sporn? So I'm assuming he's asking if he's wearing a wearing has an outfit wearing a bow tie does it have to be a tartan bow tie or does it have to be and it could be any color bow tie does oh, that make black. it as semi-formal and therefore should he get a semi-formal sporn i think it's how he's phrasing it the 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 bow tie to me doesn't say formal or informal because you can wear a bow tie in a semi-formal event whether it's black or not mm, yeah depending on the shirt depending on the jacket yeah it's the 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 combination of elements is kind of what makes it yeah. formal in Highland wear. I mean, there's there's more strict uh, guidelines in Saxon wear. 
than Highland Aware. And I had a question about this too. So <laughs> I'm going to go looking for that. Um, keep talking. But yeah, but ultimately. Um, Here we are. Yeah, Cameron was asking us. He says, seems to be a lot of conflicting information about on, on where different jackets and coatees and doublets fall in terms of semi formal black tie, white tie, and all that. Could we draw some of the lines as to where things fall? Um, I would say essentially if. Let's work from the top down. If you have a Prince Charlie jacket and a white tie, white bow tie, that's white tie. That is the ultimately formal. Um, in Highland wear, you can substitute a, a nicer cut doublet for the Prince Charlie if you want a much more rust, uh, not rustic, but a more antique kind of a look. Like you, you have like Kenmore a, a Kenmore or a Montrose even. Very formal. Um, a Prince Charlie jacket can also be worn with a black tie. Uh, and that's more the area which I think they were aiming for it to be used when they invented it back in the 20s. Um, but that is black tie. But then it starts getting confusing. You could do black tie with an argyle jacket also. You have a wing collar shirt, and you have the black bow tie, but you're having a, a black waistcoat and a black argyle jacket. Um, that would be acceptable black tie. Mm -hmm. Semi-formal, you're getting into things like um, tweeds, or a uh, an argyle jacket, but not the wing collar shirt. You know, so it's it's you know what I mean. It, it, the the other part parts of the outfit are going to make a difference because it's kind of a weird nebulous thing. Um, I would definitely say a tartan bow tie is not formal. Um, I'm a little biased against them though, uh, but I would not. I've seen I've seen Saxon tuxedos where they have a tartan cummerbund and bow tie. And bow tie. That's where I was going to go with it. But for Highland dress, I would not consider a, a tartan bow tie a a good choice. No, it's a bit overkill. For, yeah, it's a bit much. Um, now, it, you run the, the risk side of looking of, cartoony, I think. But on the other side of the overkill, you could also... I, it's It, it comes down to the individual things, because I could see a yeah. uh, a bias-cut tartan waistcoat yes. with a kilt... And a, an argyle or a three-button waistcoat with a Prince Charlie. Yep, I was gonna um, say I've seen that. So, and that to me isn't over the top. It's just different. The the bow tie being tartan with mm -hmm. the kilt looks a little off. And very very often, uh, like for wedding attire, people will opt to have a uh, a bow tie that is you know like a, a satin or silk uh, bow tie, which is a color. There's a, there's a picture I use kilt. all the time of myself on the website, and I'm in a Prince Charlie outfit with a, a blue bow tie, you know, it's basically to pick up the blue that's in the tartan I'm wearing. So I would say that absolutely the more, if you're going more formal, make sure it's a solid color tie, no stripes, no pattern. Um, black tie is the safest bet. And uh, if there's any kind of a wing collar shirt involved, as opposed to a turn down collar, that's semi, that that's basically black tie or white tie. I would not consider that semi formal. Yeah, I agree. So, Mac? I'm assuming it's, you said Cameron asked that question that you had. Yeah, he he the the relay question. Uh, Cameron Waldron. Yeah, he's that. he's also on our on a live right now. Oh, cool. He also added to it where so where would you wear, well, so where would you place the sheriff mirror? So where in that spectrum? Um, I'm a, I'm a closet steampunk, so I'll wear it anywhere, damn place. No, um, I would say a sheriff mirror can do, uh, black tie or white tie equivalent. Yeah, they, it's definitely because it's it's a more romantic doublet. Um, I would go to the pub in a sheriff Muir. Well, I would, but I'm a freak. Um, yeah. Now, if most people would not go to a pub or a, just like a cocktail party or something in a sheriff Muir, but for a wedding or a ball or 
you know, something like a, a, a I don't want to say a Masonic thing because they usually have a very specific uniform set, but yeah. you see what I mean? It's definitely either black tie equivalent or white tie equivalent. Yeah. The more in Highland wear, the more frou-frou looking it is, the fancier yeah. it is generally. I was just saying that today, yeah. in fact. Yeah, if, if there's velvet and lace involved, it's formal. It's, yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's how I'd play it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's a 21st century America. People will dress up in in all kinds of creative ways uh for all kinds of events uh gauge your audience make sure that you're not an eyesore make sure you're not out of context with the other people who are going to be there um in this day and age that's kind of almost an easier way to to think about it than trying to come up with exact rules because it is a sliding scale with highland wear for sure yeah there's there there's in some ways there's more leeway in some ways there's less leeway yeah. in highland wear with what you can do or should do or shouldn't do yeah or what looks good and what doesn't look good yeah when in doubt, take a picture, email it to us, and we'll tell you if we think you're good looking <laughs> or completely nuts. Right. We have people who are completely nuts who still look good, though. That's true. With our with our clients, Me. yeah, that, that too. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Mac, okay, uh, Cameron did add uh, that he is worn a tux to the pub, so Sheriff Muir it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to your pub, Cameron. Let's go drinking sometime. Sounds like my kind of joint. It's the formalist of pub. Too, <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Right on. Quite, Cameron, quite. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm. Mr. Mack. So we have Scott uh, asking, are you guys planning on expanding your PV selections now that the store is bigger? Good question. Yeah. Not sure. Um, the uh, Sure. We'd love to expand it. We'd love um, to. It's a question of whether it's economically viable. That. <laughs> um, the, uh, the store is bigger, which means there's a lot more money that we have to pay for the store to be bigger. Um, we would like to expand our PV selections. The, the mill that weaves our PV over in the UK does a certain amount of tartans that they offer as stock. And then on top of that, we also have all of our custom ones like Sterling, American Heritage, Ireland's National, Celtic Nations, Law Enforcement, Firefighters, ba 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 the military tartans, the Masonic tartan we just started doing, we have all these. For those, we have a minimum requirement in order to get a reasonable price on the fabric. So when I'm ordering two or three or 400 yards of cloth for one tartan, it has to be a pretty damn good looking tartan to be able to sell through it at a reasonable rate. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those where I'd like to be able to offer more tartans, but from a business standpoint, from a financial standpoint, I have to make sure that we can sell through it reasonably quickly because I have to be financially responsible for the company. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's it's. I think the, <clears throat> the challenge with this industry is that um, since we're dealing with aesthetics, um, you have to be very careful to make sure that you are not um, Rorschacking, as I say, onto what you're going to sell. Just because we think a shirt or a tartan or a sporn design looks freaking awesome doesn't mean that the rest of the world out there is going to. So you always have to check yourself. You have to make sure you're being somewhat objective and where possible, get a good amount of input from the community to make sure that what you're trying to sell is something people really want. Um, you know, and, and a tartan that's especially notorious because there's a lot of us who have like a favorite tartan that is just weird, you know, or just way out there or, or, you know, we like it for some idiosyncratic reason, like Ben liking the Jacobite tartan, <laughs> Max shaking his head, <laughs> which a lot of people consider a hideous tartan, but he absolutely loves it. Um, but, uh, you can't, you can't make it all about your own ego. You have to make it about what's what... going to be commercially viable. Yeah. 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 
So there's. So we'd yes, like to. We would like to offer all I'd things like all to, people. But. And if the mill, if the mill says to us, you know, tomorrow, hey, we just started weaving. Again, Fraser hunting ancient. Great, we'll include it. If we include, you know, they include Duncan modern. Great, we'll include it. But if unless it's one that they want to stock support, and it's not wildly requested, it's not one that may be able to be carried. Mm -hmm. Now there are uh, unique or uh, custom tartans are sometimes an exception to the rule. Like, if you don't mind my mentioning it, there is probably going to be a Kilton Culture Facebook group tartan. In the At future. some point, yes. Yep, and that's but that's a case where we know that uh, there's people who are interested in that. Yeah, so, and we can do so, pre-sales. Yeah, so we can take the plunge. <clears throat> yeah, it's basically we just have to make sure that financially our rear ends are covered so that my wife doesn't kill me for spending all of our money. Yep. And, you know, making payroll. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mac? <laughs> yes. Mr. Mac. Well, and if anybody wants to see the new... Masonic PV tartan. We will have that at Celtic uh, Classic in a mm -hmm. few weeks when we're up there. Yep. We'll, we'll it's have, on the website too. Yep. Well, and we are. Yeah, I'm just saying, if they want to see it in person, they'll yeah, be able uh, revising the, the the Masonic collection page on the website soon. So you know, all of you here are Masons out there, uh, we're trying to have you covered with that. So, yep, yep, good stuff. So we do have two questions about uh, models of kilts. Um, we have Randy, which is asking the difference between our eight yarders, as far as the top stitched and and premier eight yard kilts, and we also have David, who is asking what difference between a casual <coughs> and a semi traditional uh, kilt is. So we've got a few of those going on. So sure, the uh, uh, we actually have a page on our website. If you scroll down to the bottom of the website in the footer, there's a page called "What Kilt Is Right for Me" or "Which Kilt Is Right for Me." On that page, we break down all of the attributes of each of our kilts. We talk about the different models, which one, you know, what customers tend to align with what models, um, how much they cost, the material, the yardage, how many pleats are in it, all those kind of details. Um, the difference, the basic difference between the casual and the semi-traditional is a couple yards of cloth. Well, you know, the semi-traditional is about five or so, five to six yards of cloth. The casual tends to be about four to four and a half yards of cloth. Um, casual has inch and a half pleats, where the semi-traditional has inch wide pleats. The semi-traditional has the straps and buckles and the fringe, so it looks more like a traditional kilt, hence the name semi-traditional. Mm -hmm. um, where the casual kilt is Velcro closure and it's more an entry level, fun pub kind of kilt. Rough housing kilt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, for our eight yard kilts, we have our top stitched eight yard kilt and our premier eight yard kilt. When we uh, came out with our top stitched model, basically we were looking at the premier kilt and trying to figure out how we could make it faster in order to keep the price down. Um, and it, it, what we kind of landed on was we didn't want to sacrifice quality and time, so we just had to you know leave it alone. But there was an opportunity to make things a little bit faster by sewing on the surface of the fabric versus sewing the pleats inside out. On our premier eight yard kilt, we actually take the good side of the fabric and the good side of the fabric, put them together, pin it down about 10 times, and then, you know, following that line, sew it on the back side of the fabric, take all the pins out, open it up, and the horizontal lines on the back of the kilt have to be exactly perfect within one thread variance or else we have to tear out that pleat and do it over. That takes a lot of time. 
It's yeah. literally about 10 minutes per pleat. Mm -hmm. So the way we got around it was we sewed on the surface of the fabric. So we take the good side and we're actually sewing right on the good side. So if you look closely, you can actually see the stitching on the very edge of the pleat on our top-stitched eight-yard kilt model. But they, we use you know, thread that's actually in the kilt, so it's gonna camouflage it as best we can. However, doing it this way takes 30 seconds a pleat to a minute a pleat, not 10 minutes. When you stack that up over 30 or so pleats in an eight-yard kilt, that's a good amount of time saving. Therefore, it's a lot less money for a top-stitched eight-model kilt versus our premier eight-model kilt. Other than that, there's really no differences between the models. It's just how the pleats are actually sewn into the kilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mac, anything else to does, add to does that? that? Make, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's uh, basically, and the general the general thing is uh, decide what you want to do in the kilt and what your budget is. Yep. There's, there's supposed to be one for everyone, basically. Yeah, it's... One is not better than the other. The premier yeah. eight-yard kilt is not better than the top-stitched eight-yard kilt. It's just, don't think of it as it's $75 more, so it's better. It's $75 more because of the amount of labor that has to go into it to do it one way versus another way. We're not looking at it from one is better than the other one. We're looking at it from a, from a standpoint of it takes the kilt makers X amount more time to make, therefore it has to cost X amount more money. Yeah, if it's better... For you, it's a matter of the aesthetics. Do you like the look of the hidden stitching as opposed to the the top stitching? Yep. Um, but the difference between the at the other end, the casual and the semi trad, um, we do like to say that the semi trad you can dress up more than the casual kilt. So again, uh, you want to think about what activities you're planning on wearing the kilt for. Casual is definitely going to be low end and very casual, as the name implies. And uh, semi trad is a little easier to dress up or dress down. So if you're at the entry level end of things. I would usually recommend people go for the semi-trad. Yep. Yeah. So we have Ryan asking here, um, can a great kilt be worn casually like a modern kilt, like a, like a modern casual mm -hmm. kilt? Sure. Yeah. I wouldn't wear a great kilt formally, so casual yeah. is really the yeah, only in way fact, to wear it. In fact, it's actually easier to do that. <clears throat> um, we, we have one or two customers who do that. Um, great kilts in a modern sense can get kind of weird when you start adding jacket layers and things. Um, then uh, and wearing it as a casual garment in this day and age you're probably not going to be doing the uh bringing the end up over your shoulder with the brooch or any of that kind of stuff you're going to be wearing it basically just uh folded down over your belt so it kind of just has that drape effect from the waist down that's how um uh, our friend john and, and other people tend to do it uh so that it looks good and you can actually make it work with you know a, a t-shirt or other kind of shirt jackets and stuff like that um, so yeah, you can do it. There are definitely guys who do it. Um, lighter fabric, usually recommended, as opposed to the really heavy. Um, yeah. And again, you're not going to want to be putting it up over your shoulder or bringing it up over your head. Well, I guess you could still put it up over your head. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it can actually yeah. look very dashing. Um, it's also <clears throat> it's also flexible in terms of fit. Like if you feel like you look odd because of your, your belly shape or something like that in a regular kilt, sometimes a great kilt can be fun to play with uh, along those lines. Yeah, it's... You're, you're taking a historical type garment and you're putting it in modern day. So there's no rules per se on what must be done or can be done because yeah. you're already breaking with tradition, so to speak, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say wearing it with, uh, even even wearing it, you know, up across the shoulder or tucking it in the back a little bit so you're still showing off the front with a t-shirt, with a grandfather shirt, something like that, yeah. could still look fine. Um, yeah, you're just wearing something historical. 
Yeah. Um, look at guys like Jamesy from Albanock. He's been doing that that uh, look for ages. If you're going for like the the heavy metal, hard rock, or tribal rock, you know, you know, warrior kind of look, then uh, it's it can be a lot of cool. It can be a lot of cool. It can be a, a lot, lot of cool. cool. Yes. It can be a lot cool, like you kids say. Yeah. Yeah. Like all you whippersnappers. But um, is it going to look good with a, a suit jacket? Uh, nope. Nope. And don't try to wear one, in our opinion, at least. Don't do it with a Prince Charlie or an Argyle or anything like that. Yeah. The you're tails just... on a Prince Charlie will get yeah. in the way in the yeah, back. Yeah. You're just kind of crossing the streams there. <clears throat> so. Yeah. It's like wearing it's like wearing jeans with a tux jacket. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't. Well, if you're a rock star, you can do that. But. I love this sign. I'm going to bring this to every show. <laughs> That's my should, thing now. You should just carry it around life. I should. Somebody says something you like, you're just like, you're your own personal meme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. All right. Mr. Mac? Mr. Mac. All right. So we got David asking, could you dress up a semi-traditional kilt the same way you would a wool kilt? Yeah, sure. And I think you guys kind of just touched oh, yeah. on this. Just Absolutely recently. you could. Yeah. Um, it won't have the same swish, it won't have the same feel that a wool kilt does. Um, it won't have quite, it won't be quite as impressive when you're in motion um, as a wool kilt does. Um, but uh, you, you certainly can. We have plenty of guys who do uh, a semi-traditional kilt as part of an outfit for a wedding, for instance, um, and they're pairing it with an argyle or a PC. Um, I would be willing to bet that at some point in the future, unless you live in a very hot climate like the Southwest or something, you'll probably want to also have a wool kilt in the fullness of time. But uh, that's kind of the whole point of the semi-trad is that it'll get you by. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And okay. I, I would say it this way as well. Um, a lot of times we'll do a wedding party in kilts. And some of the groomsmen will have wool kilts. Other ones won't have the scratch. So right. they will actually order a semi-traditional kilt. Or people will come pull their money together and get them a semi-traditional kilt. Mm-hmm. From 15 feet from the back you're not really able to tell too much of a difference. There is a difference. There's a difference in construction. There's a difference in fabric. There's a difference in the swing of the kilt. Um, and availability of tartans. Yes, that as well. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it is a very good mid-level starter type kilt insofar as it'll get you by for a lot of different you know, dressier type functions. Whereas our casual kilt, I don't recommend pairing with anything above like a sweater um, for a, yeah. a a nice dinner kind of thing, but I wouldn't really try to force it much above that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I just want to say um, I appreciate the questions you guys are asking about what we offer, about our products. We try to make this show about general information about the traditional garb and uh, and modern interpretations and stuff. So um, you don't have to ask us just about things we sell. You know, it's very flattering, but uh, we're here to answer any question at all. Yeah, so. we're trying to bring value. Period. Yeah, it's, it's this is not meant to be a sales pitch. Yeah, it's not supposed to be a. a it commercial, never has but, been. It's always been what like, value can we bring to you guys, not what can we sell you. <laughs> that said, <clears throat> that said, we also we're, we always have guys available by phone if you have other questions about what we do here. Yeah, um, happy to help you out. Cool. Let's ask another one of the preloaded sure, ones. Sure, sure, we can do that. Um. So we're talking about historical-ish stuff. Bradley Jewell uh, was asking, what are the pros, cons, and uses of a day plaid? Uh, is there any sort of faux pas with wearing a day plaid? For those that don't know, a day plaid is basically a big length of cloth, three and a half yards or so, um, with fringed 
ends that you just effectively wrap around your torso or just hold over your arm. Um, it's just a big blanket. There's not really a lot to it. It's being able to carry something with you so that when you go out in the fields and the glens and whatever, um, mm -hmm. you have a blanket to sit down on and have lunch. Um, day played is not much more than that. It's literally just a blanket that you're wrapping around yourself. So there's no, I don't know, there's no real faux pas with it because it's just a blanket yeah. you wrap around your torso with a half knot on the shoulder. Yeah, and uh, it, sometimes they're thick enough that you can't even knot them. You know, you might be able yeah. to fold it once. Um, it does not have to be tartan. There are some guys out there who will use like a, a tweed fabric or, or something else as a, as a, a day blade. Um, they're commonly seen at uh, clan gatherings in Scotland. You'll see uh, uh, clan lairds and, and other people of, of some note uh, using them as part of their full-on out, outdoor yeah. regalia. You know, you, you have the Cormac and you have the, you have your, your Balmoral or Glengarry or Bonnet. Um, and you have uh, the, the day plate is just part of, you know, like we're here and we're dressed to the nines, but we're outdoors. So we want to be a little bit rustic. But uh, in terms of using one in daily life, um, I could sort of see it having some advantages in a for the the practical purpose that you mentioned. But most guys who wear them, it's kind of an affectation. It's more of just a I want even more tartan on me, you know. So because again, I'm going to the clan gathering, something like that. But um, if you're a hiker, if you want experiment with doing vintage hiking or vintage hill walking, then it could be fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's it's. It's not all that useful, and it's your. It's it's in the modern age. It's hard to rationalize yeah. it as being useful. Yeah, you tie um, it around your torso because you don't want to carry it over your arm. Um, if you have a backpack and you're hiking, then I just jam it in the backpack or tie it around the backpack, so it's leaving even more of my torso free and yeah. I'm less hot than yeah. I would be with a, a big blanket wrapped that's, around. And that's, that's why I said vintage <clears throat> yeah. style hill walking because there are guys out there who like to do hiking and stuff with uh, antique equipment. It's almost a reenacting kind of an offshoot. Okay. So like, you know, it's too easy to go hiking with nylon and modern hiking boots and stuff. I'm going to do it with like what Sir Edmund Hillary used. You know, I'm going to go with old school. So I could see okay. playing with it. Um, but yeah, so but it's, it's I more of a any faux pause. Yeah, it's more of a, it's more of a play thing. It's more of a dress up thing than an actual utilitarian. I need this as part of my kit. It does not like yeah. replace the sporin for utilitarian purposes. It does not replace the kilt pin or whatever. It's just something extra to add a, a twist to your outfit to stand out a little bit more. Yeah. But outside of, it, it, I liken it if, effectively to a, a fly plate. They look great in pictures, but in actuality, a fly plate is is pointless. Um, that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Unless yeah. you're actually, if you're going to an all day festival and it's gonna be grassy and you want a place to sit, then yes, bring a day plate. And you'll have your blanket around you, but you have to carry it the whole day wrapped around your torso. And if it's cool and rainy and you have a date with you and you want to snuggle up under the plate with Aww, your date. So cute. That's the best use for it as far as I'm yes, concerned. That's fair. But, but it's outside of that, if it's a sunny day and if you don't think you're going to actually need it as a blanket, I would just... Give it a pass. It's a lot of a lot of wool carrying around. Yeah, a lot of stuff to just lug around just to have. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Mr. Mac, have I disparaged the day plate enough? <laughs>
<clears throat> so Eric actually referenced this a little bit ago Ruh-roh. with the temperature change, how we're getting a little bit colder. So we actually have a yeah. couple questions coming in uh, kind of on those lines. Oh, yeah. So it's the season. Yep. yep. So we have Sean yep. asking, with fall and winter coming, what material is best to wear as, as a kilt? Yes. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll give my I'll give my usual pat answer, and then you can chime in. Um, depends on whether you run hot or cold. Me personally, I prefer to wear my lighter PV stuff in the warmer months in the summer, and then my uh, 13 and 16 ounce wool uh, kilts in the fall and winter. Um, if I want to look really good, really sharp for an event, those rules do not apply. I will go with the whatever kilt is right for the event. Usually it's going to be wool because my preferred tartans are my eight yard wool kilts. Um, but from a purely practical standpoint, I will wear heavier kilts in the winter, lighter kilts in the summer. And uh, then it's down to the accessories. Um, you know, summer, hiking around, don't bother with kill hose. January, going outside to you know bring in a load of wood, I'm absolutely gonna wear my hand knit wool hose because they're warm and comfy. Um, a jumper, you know, cable knit sweater, really love that with, uh, with my kilts in the wintertime. And uh, that gets to your classic core point, I think, which is that your core temperature is what matters. In some ways, the type of kilt you wear isn't going to make that big a difference. It's what you do in the torso here and on your head that's going to keep you comfortable in the cold weather. Yep. Is that good? Yeah, pretty much. Trying to alley-oop you a little bit since you're not feeling well. You've already stole my answer. The uh, No, it's for me, it's you know, nice. having old chrome dome here. Um, it's what I wear on my head will really regulate my body temperature more than what kilt I'm wearing. Same thing with what I have on my torso, whether it's a you know performance polo type fabric like this, or whether it's a long sleeve shirt with an undershirt and a sweater or whatever else. Yeah. Um, that is going to control my core temperature and my body temperature much more than whether I have on a 16 ounce or a 13 ounce kilt. Um, some people tend to put a lot of emphasis on, well, a five yard kilt in 13 ounces good for the summer, fall, and the 16 ounces better for winter because they're more sensitive to the temperature change. Whereas I don't really care as much. I'm still a little bit sensitive to it, but I'm uh, right now it's you know, 75 degrees outside and I have on a 16 ounce wool kilt that's tweed, which is even more insulation. And True. someone didn't cut out all the, the, the pleats in the back. So it's even thick, yeah. <laughs> Not, not pointing at anyone in particular, oh, Mr. Mac. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, so it's even warmer. But it doesn't really bother me because, again, I have a performance polo on and no hat. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just common sense and context is really what should rule the day for what the temperature is going to be in the place where you're going to be, where you're going to be. Are you going to be outside in a potentially warmer situation? Are you going to be inside in the air conditioning? You know, is there going to be a fire going in the fireplace? All these things factor in as much, if not more, than the weight of the kilt. Yeah, I think I think know your body. You know, if you normally don't need a lot of layers in the winter, you're not necessarily going to care if you have a heavier kilt or not. Yeah. If you're more temperature sensitive, which I am, um, then you may want to play around with the uh, the kilt or other layers. Yep. So. And when in doubt, dress in layers. Yeah. Yeah, you can always take stuff off. It's hard to put something on if you don't have it. Very true. Yep. Indeed. Yep. Anything else, Mac? And you've got you guys kind of touched on this. David was asking um, uh, if you have a tartan <coughs> example, Wallace. So I'm going to see as a Wallace tartan. Um, okay. And you want to wear a sweater because you guys just started talking about that. Uh, what color sweaters or 
is there a particular color you would wear with a particular tartan? Um, <clears throat> would we recommend? And we should we go cable knit? Should we go cashmere? Should we go cardigan? Yes. You guys kind of stuck yeah. with, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're wearing a Wallace kilt, I don't know whether you're talking about Wallace hunting or Wallace red. Um, it is a, Wallace is a tricky one because it's a very, very simple tartan. It's just black, red, or black and green with a yellow stripe. Yeah. Um, so for that one, personally, for Wallace, if it were me, I'd probably wear like a charcoal sweater, jumper, and charcoal hose just to sort of tone down the rest of the outfit and kind of let the kilt stand out on its own. Yeah. If I'm wearing uh, my favorite tartan, which is the Scott Green Weathered, it has a nice gold stripe in there, so I have a gold uh, sweater that works really well with it, or a dark reddish kind of sweater that works well with it, where I'm picking up a minor color in the tartan uh, to go with the sweater. Mr. Eric, do you have any um, personal preference on that? or Not sweater really. Type? You're, you're, uh, you're always safer with neutrals. Um, the, you know, look at me with the gray, you know, because I got the, I got the colorful tie today. Um, natural colors, uh, the browns and grays and tans of like a, a cable knit sweater, for instance, um, will basically go with everything. It's neutral, so it's fine. Uh, when in doubt, if you're or if you're colorblind, like some of our customers are, um, play it safe and do it that way. Um, if you're going to pick up a color to go with uh, with a tartan, uh, I would lean, <coughs> like we were referencing earlier, I would probably consider trying to find sweaters that have a nice marled appearance to it. So it's a little toned back. Um, a, a bright, solid red sweater, like a bright red golf sweater with your Wallace red kilt, it's going to look a little weird. Might be a, a bit or, much. Or just a bit intense, you know? Um, it's easier to save the colors for things that are accents like the tie um, or maybe the shirt color. Uh, sweaters, I think, go go neutral if you're not sure. Um, or if you're going to do a color, make it a darker tone of the colors in the kilt if possible. And the other thing I'm going to point out as well, um, the kilt I'm wearing now has a red stripe and a gold stripe in it. If I was going to wear a sweater to go with this kilt, I would want to wear a sweater that goes with one of the minor colors in the kilt. Yeah. If you wear it, like for this one, has a lot of brown in it. If I wore a brown sweater, I would look like a big turd. Um, <laughs> the or the other point is if <laughs> the other point is if you wear a brown sweater with a brown basically a brown kilt, if the browns are two different shades of brown, it's going to look like you tried and missed versus you nailed it. What I would suggest is the minor colors in the kilt are going to be more forgiving. So if I wore a yeah. red sweater with this red, or like a, a slightly darker red, like a blood red, with a bolder red stripe, it's going to be more forgiving than if I wore a red sweater with a red Wallace kilt. Yeah. So again, it's the, the more forgiving is going to be the minor colors in the tartan. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's true. Um, and we always say that about neckties, too. <coughs> you know, you, when you're choosing a tie, try to go with a color that's one of the accent colors in the tartan, not the main field color. Um, and yeah, like I said, go darker. Don't go brighter, go darker. Yep. Other, as for what type of sweater, anything's fine. Anything at all is fine. Whatever you like the look of, whatever is comfortable. Agreed. Yep. Mm -hmm. Quite sweater vest. Christmas sweater. Sweater vest. Yeah. Lights. There you go. Christmas tree, little like Rudolph nose or okay. something. Okay. All right. No. No. Okay. How about how about a band hoodie? I got like my my uh, my heavy metal band uh, zipper hoodies. Sure. It's yeah. not the same aesthetic. Not at all. How about it? Yeah. 
They're all black. Context. That's easy. Context is king. Yep. Indeed. Mr. Mac. <clears throat> still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Mac, we've lost Mac. <laughs> yeah, all right. So this this question's right up my right up my alley. And oh yeah. And so cool. it's Jeff is asking ball cap with a polo and a kilt, yay or nay? Well, I always say? I always wear caps. So I yep. for me You're it's a cap guy. But I will change my cap according to what I'm doing. So the more formal thing, I'll go to a flat. I'll go to a. <laughs> You'll wear a formal baseball cap. That's right, a formal baseball. It's got the sil- it's got the silver piping on it. You uh, know, little square buttons. Uh, I mean, throw them out there. <laughs> only break out the good ones for the for the special occasions. Um, um, I mean, flat cap for formal occasions. For everything else, I'm usually wearing a ball cap. But I wear hats all the time. Always have. So. Right. Right. You don't mean formal occasions. You mean dressier, dressier occasions. Yeah. yeah, nice. Uh, what, what, what's the term you like to use? Um, casual nice? or tweed? Dressy casual? Dressy casual. When you're talking about tweed outfits, you say this. Oh, smart day wear. Smart day wear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if it's smart day wear, don't do the ball cap. If you're going out to a golf outing or a sporting event or, you know, trucking around a festival or something like that, sure, wear a ball cap, you know. With your Prince Charlie, only the finest ball cap from your NASCAR team, Mac. Didn't P. Diddy do that? Wasn't he the one? He's got the he had the he had the Prince Charlie jacket and he had the ba- uh, baseball like, cap on. I want to say it was a leather baseball cap, which makes it better. Yeah, yeah. maybe if you're hip hop, yeah. just do what you do. Yeah, if you're a rock star or an artist, as it were, then you're just gonna do what you're gonna do because you're an artist. So it's it, it's an interpretation of it. You might look like an ass, but it's your interpretation of you're, it. You're a creative ass. Creative. So, but yeah, I say ball caps are casual. If it's a casual event. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I've got the backup ball cap in the vehicle in case I need it to. You're crazy though. Like <laughs> you, you match you. This we're talking about a guy who who can color coordinate coordinate his ball caps to his tartans. Yes, you've got an insane collection of ball caps. Yeah, it's and Ron actually pointed out today, and we were we were just talking about something because I have I had this shirt and it was hard not to wear the cap I normally wear with this shirt today. I wore a different one. But he's like, even your socks match. Because yep. I have the Strathclyde kilt on, which is blue. Yep. And the socks have yep. blue accents on them. So it's, it's yeah. all got to match. Yeah, yeah. Color-coordinated NASCAR t-shirt with the tartan. Mm-hmm. That's dedication. You can do it. That's, it is. Yeah. It's like so subtle. For casual wear, that's like so subtle, but so weirdly on point. If you're not sure what hat to wear, I, Mac touched on this. I would go with a flat cap over a ball cap. If you want, again, just like we were saying, I have a semi-tried kilt is more flexible than a casual kilt. A flat cap, which is very traditional, um, will go for any number of different contexts from really casual all the way up to smart day wear, potentially. So if you're not sure and you only can only have one hat, go with a flat cap, not a ball cap. Right? Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Mac. Well, this this goes directly to Eric. Uh-oh. Cameron has... I'm leaving. ...has hereby challenged Eric to don a stove... Stovepipe hat with a sheriff mirror. You buy me the sheriff mirror, and you're on. I don't own one. <laughs> now, now the company could fund me with one. No, no, <laughs> nope. I think if, if nope. you guys if you guys chip in, I'm sure USA Kilts will get a sheriff mirror for me. So I prefer velvet. By the way, I'd like a black velvet sheriff mirror. Maybe a purple sheriff I'd, mirror. Sure. If you're paying for it, I'd wear it. <laughs> I already have the stove pipe. Why do I have to pay for everything? I already have the stove pipe, so halfway there. <laughs> I'm just 
I'm, I'm picturing you in a purple, like not not just like a subtle purple, a bright neon purple velvet. Yeah, I like purple. Sheriff Muir, the lace jabot and everything. Bam, uh, and and the sing purple rain and Gale. I, I was I was just going to a Prince <laughs> reference. I couldn't quite purple get there. Purple rain, purple yeah. rain. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> Our apologies to both oh Scots and yes. Prince fans. As usual. We should have that as a running ribbon across the screen. We apologize to everyone. Just have it going like CNN. <laughs> to the Please following. send your letters to the following. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, to Lucas. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll wear almost anything. So Cameron. Yeah. Challenge the money. The money's the issue. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. It kind of always is. It kind of is. Yeah. Next. Do another do preloaded another one? one. Yeah. Sure. Happily. All right. This is uh this could take you a little while, but this is an interesting one. This is for story time, guys. Okay. Story time. Uh, Cameron White, uh, and he wanted to address this to you and Mac and Ian and the other guys uh, in the production side. Um, how did you get started? How did you get started making kilts? Who taught you? Um, did you have to go to a special school or did you have a mentor? Uh, and uh, once you're done with a kilt. What kind of quality control is there? I mean, do people oversee the finished product? Um, how is it? What's it like as a process in addition to how you got started, I guess? And uh, what do we think the future of kilt production, kilt artistry is? You know, where does where's kilt making going in the future? <coughs> it's all going to be 3D printed. I'm telling you right now, 3D printed kilts. And save on labor. So basically, <laughs> I think he wants past, present, and future. Like, but from, from a personal perspective. from Sure. Guys. Um, I, I taught myself how to sew. So I came into this knowing nothing. Um, I bought a kilt, a cheap one, and kind of reverse engineered it and started sewing kilts from that and got better and better at it. Um, when we started the company, uh, I would be, we used to adjust, you know, kilts for customers and other people's, you know, kilts that other companies made and kind of looked at how different companies constructed things and why they constructed things. When we first started, and still to this day, I'm a bit of a sponge for that kind of stuff. I'm always very curious and I have an engineering type brain to figure out how things are constructed and why they do certain things. So it was both an advantage and a disadvantage. It was a disadvantage in that I knew nothing going into learning how to make kilts, but it was an advantage because I had to figure out every step myself and I had to justify why I was doing something the way I was doing it. Um, and we just kind of, you know, through, you know, little tips and tricks that we figured out here and there, we got the art of kilt making by Barb Tewksbury, who's a wonderful lady. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of different ways that kind of flavored how we make kilts. And we don't do everything by the book. We do things our own way in the way that makes the most sense to us. Um, there's certain things that we do in the way that we construct kilts that I think a lot of other companies are missing and I like the way that we do it better. Um, as far as Mac, he went through the school of hard rocks. Um, it was, you know, he came with a, with a knowledge of garment construction from historical reenacting and making his own clothes for that kind of stuff. But he learned from me and from Kelly how to make a kilt and he learned the way that we wanted him to learn because that's the way that we wanted it to go out the door um and then kind of you know you could take it from there back but he's kind of trained the rest of the kilt makers yeah here. I mean, everybody that comes in the door we train the exact same way to start off with and then you eventually kind of pick up your own 
little nuances. Yeah, along the way. But yeah, everyone goes through the same path. Uh, it's we're from start from the bottom all the way up through until we get to premieres and stuff. So it, it's you start with casuals and work your way up through. But yeah, it's I mean I I was moving out this way um, and got kind of got called into Rocky's shop and hey you so bring some stuff in and it just he never let me leave after that. I mean so it's we've all kind of came into this in all different directions so it's the yeah. shackles yeah yeah most of our most of our people who applied to be kilt makers didn't know how to sew coming into it um, they just kind of had a passion for this stuff and liked the company and wanted to work here so we brought them in tested them and it's, in a lot of ways, it's easier for us to teach them exactly what we want them to know versus trying to reverse engineer or un unlearn bad habits or things that we don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, one of the, the weird things with our kilt making staff. It's not like in the US, as big as we are, we could just put an ad in the paper and say, hey, kilt makers needed. So you need to have right. experience right. sewing kilts. It's, I wish it was that easy. Oh, Jesus, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. um, so we basically have to train people from the ground up. And that's one of the advantages we have and, and disadvantages at the same time is to get somebody in the door to where we want them to be, even on just our casual kilt, is effectively three months. So if we experience a bump in, you know, in traffic and sales, it takes us a while to catch up with a new person in the door and get them to where we need them to be speed wise. And then, you know, everybody else has to be moving up at the same speed. Mm -hmm. And you said in the past that you think that the, uh, having a, a, an engineering kind of mind is more important than being a sewer. Yes. So it's, it's very much about the geometry and the mathematics and the precision. And the um, eye for detail. To, yeah. We yeah. can, we can teach people how to sew. That's a skill that you can learn. Having an eye for detail, having an understanding of three-dimensionality and engineering, those are kind of more innate qualities that we can't instill in somebody or make people want to do. It's you have to either you either have it or you don't. Um, the sewing is easy; we can teach you that. Yeah, you, you kind of got to see where you're going and kind of. I've joked around and said before, you got to do what the tartan tells you to do. You got to like, oh, it's just yeah. it's zen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, yeah, what does this tartan want to be? I can see. I can see that with with choosing. Uh, pleating patterns for sure. Exactly. You know what stripe is this going to look? If you pleat this mm -hmm. to the stripe, is it going to look stupid if you use that stripe or, or not? Well, yeah. Beyond so. that, it's where do you break the pattern to sew on the edge right. of each pleat? Right. How many? Like, how do you make up the pattern within a five yarder? There's a lot of artistry and and, and tiny little details that 99.9% .9 of the people who own kilns don't ever see mm -hmm. going into it because they're not, you know, on the construction side. One thing you guys avoid, which I've always appreciated, is that you don't have, uh, you never do pleats where there's a, a line of color going right on the edge of the pleat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. it's. Oh, I hate that when yeah. I see that on a kilt. It's just like, oh, it's one of those. Couldn't you do one or the other? Yeah, there's like this line of color going right down. The... I'll take it a step further. The uh, What he's talking about is putting a stripe on the very edge of a pleat, and then you're effectively sewing in that stripe. It's, it's the stripe cut in half of its thickness. You know, yeah, if is. the stripe is on a pleat, it should be centered on the center of the pleat. Um, the the other thing that I, I never understood was when you look at old historical versions of kilts, it's a lot of times, you know, kilts from 200 years ago where, where there were tailored kilts specifically that I'm talking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. were not pleated 
to the set or to the stripe. It was just kind of pleated quasi haphazardly across yeah. the back, yeah. um, whether it was five yards of material or whatever. Um, it, it just looks like a dog's dinner. And mm -hmm. I could never understand from an, an OCD, inattentive mindset that I have, creating something like that that doesn't have a specific pattern within the pleats and just kind of doing haphazardly across the back. It just, looking at old pictures sometimes drives me nuts with that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I don't think you're alone because obviously the art of pleading to the set or the stripe or whatever developed. So other, pe well, other people must have felt the same <clears throat> way. Yes, but know? they it developed because they started using more fabric in the kilts. Okay, so, so they had more there, options basically. Yes, because there okay. was more ability to pleat to a specific thing. I see. But even like on our five yarders, we pleat it to the best way we can within the pattern. We still make up a pattern within okay. the pleats. That's where the artistry angle comes into it. It's just, okay. it wasn't, it didn't seem like, you know, way back when, um, that there was as much care put into certain things as we do now. Yeah. And different perspective and yeah, different technology. Um, now, given what you guys are just saying, does that mean that the second part of his question, um, who oversees kilts for quality control at the end, is that on the kilt maker themselves, or do you guys, Mac, like do you step in at the end when a kilt's made to double check everything, or is it just kind of like they train themselves to be their own quality control? Yes. Okay. So there's, there's a little bit of both going on. Okay. Like I I see, I mean, I see what everybody's working on all day long. I know what everybody's working on all day. I, whether they know it or not, I'm still ch I'm checking them from, from afar. But <laughs> the eye in the sky is always watching. <laughs> wow. Um, but I'm still I still kind of look to see where everyone's at, what how how it's progressing, and, and what everyone and, and and how they are handling the problem they have at their at their station. Okay. Um, then once it's done, they obviously have checked everything, saying they're done. They initial it, check it off. Yeah. Then it goes downstairs, and then it goes through another process where where Lucas and the guys downstairs they double check to make sure make sure we've pleaded it the right way uh, yep. as far as did a customer so ask for a certain way to have it done does it have all its buckles does it have all its straps does it have everything it needs to be to be a completed project and are we missing anything we're we missing flashes or a fly plate do are all those extra little bits there mm -hmm. then that goes out the door mm -hmm. so we do have we have several layers that we've got to go through before it goes out that door yeah cool because we want to put the best product forward to you guys, and I don't want to put anything out there. And, and I've kind of trained my guys and and now gals to don't put anything out there that you wouldn't personally wear yourself. I'm only going to yeah. put things out there that I would personally wear myself if I had to wear it. Cool. Uh -huh. Yeah, we have a uh, – the way I describe it is we have a uh, – we treat the customer the way we would want to be treated, and I have a very, very high standard for how I want to be treated. So if it passes our bars for quality and for uh, for exacting detail and that kind of thing, I want pretty much anyone to be satisfied. And I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent story. And this is okay. – I, I love this. The uh, I went over to one of our suppliers over in the UK. We used to get uh, – or we got spore. We still get sporings from them. And uh, we took a tour of their facility. It's one of the companies that makes our jackets and hose and a bunch of other stuff. And they also make sporins. And the head sporin maker guy there was named Robin. And me and Kelly went across and we visited. And uh, the owner, Scott, brought us in, introduced us to Robin. And we were talking for a little while. And Scott left the room. And I had had several problems 
with their attention to detail and the skins that they were using for the fur and that kind of stuff. And I, you know, said, okay, talking to Robin, and he said, okay, well, you're here, you know, show me what you want, show me what you, what skins you like, which ones you don't. Okay. And Kelly, like, I started talking to him, like, very honestly and straightforward about what I expected and what I wanted and what I didn't want. And Kelly, you know, literally stepped in and said, hey, Rock, you calm down, calm down. And Robin stopped her and said, no, I want him to show me exactly what he wants. Because if I can please him, I can please anybody. <laughs> so I want him to show me what he wants. And my attention for detail and persnicketiness, I'll put it that way, mm-hmm. is high because I don't want customer complaints. I don't want people to complain about things and why say, this is horrible. Why would you do this? So if I can please myself, I know I can please anybody else. Okay. And that carries through our staff for kilt making. It carries through for all of our suppliers. It carries through for everything because I want good stuff out there. If it's going to have our name on it, it's damn well going to be the best quality I can make it be. Okay, we're talking about ourselves a lot here, mm-hmm. but yeah, very quickly then, very quickly, <clears throat> where do you see the process of making kilts going in the future? Is it going to be the same because it's always going to be tartan and leather straps, or do you think technology is going to affect how kilts are made? Technology has affected how kilts are made. Okay. Um, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they were all hand-sewn eight-yard kilts. Then, you know, production in, you know, third world countries, you know, started making cheap kilts. So that kind of forced Scotland to make things faster and, you know, kind of ramp things up. Um, You know, there's most of the kilts coming out of Scotland now are still machine or are machine sewn kilts. Um, There's a company over there that all they do is make kilts and they don't put in horsehair canvas lining. They put in a fusible lining inside the kilt. Uh, Um, fusible, Fusible webbing. That yeah, stuff. it's okay. it's not something it's I would do, yeah. but it's it's effectively heat treated, glued into there. Um, so that has cut a few steps out of the process, which again, you know, takes a certain amount of time out. Um, there's companies that everyone has their own shortcuts to get to the finished product. There's a hundred different ways to skin a cat, and it's still a skinned cat. Oh, that's my new mm, phrase. Delicious. Yes, I don't want a graphic for that, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, noted. No, cat. no skinned okay. cats. Um, but it's as long as it's a you know pleated garment, you know, to the knee, pleats on the back, flat apron on the front. It's effectively a kilt. So there's a lot of different ways to get to the same finished thing. Um, I don't see that basic definition changing anytime soon. Okay. The ways you get to the finished product might change through sewing, different sewing techniques, through using machine to sew versus hand sewing, you, you know, cheating, either skipping steps, which some companies do, or putting in a fusible lining versus a hand sewn lining. There's a few different ways to get around things to the same finished product. Okay. Quality will differ based on that, but it's, yeah, it's not going to change too too much okay i don't see 3d printing kilts anytime yeah, soon. yeah probably not no probably not mac okay. the 3d printing kilts should we do it it'd be interesting how about 3d printed sporins 3d print 3d printed jewelry is too easy i mean you could do cap badges and kilt pins 3d True. printed but hmm. uh, yeah. i mean the there's only uh, as far as the where the kilt is going to go, there's only so many directions that 
we it's taken this long how many centuries to get to this point mm-hmm. and not really not a lot has just things that have changed but not a ton has changed that's kind of the point i mean <clears throat> what, really the only thing that's potentially could change if there's some sort of fabric that eventually comes around that you could dial in your own tartan or put a card in and the tartan appears on this material this this piece of material wow like that other than that is not much other than like the little subtleties that here and there is yeah. going to change okay. fashion could change um right right but nothing as far as garment construction wise i don't see changing yeah. much. okay yeah makes sense next question mr mac Alrighty, so we have uh, Lanny. He's asking. He's close to seventy year old, seventy years old, or seventy years young, and is interested in wearing a kilt. Is he too old to start? And if not, would a five yard wool kilt be better than a semi traditional or an, or a <coughs> casual, something on the lower end? Okay. Um, no, it is never too old to start. We've ha- literally, and this is not trying to sound morbid. I've literally had people order their death kilt, meaning they are terminally ill and said, I want to be buried in this, so can you do a kilt on a rush, have it out the door in three weeks, because I don't have much time. So no, it's never too old to start. Um, you know, I started wearing kilts in my mid-20s, but we have a lot of customers, I'd say probably the majority of our customers, who get interested in wearing a kilt in their 40s and 50s, yeah. minimum 40s and 50s, if yeah. not older. Um, because that's when they're just they're reconnecting with their family, they're reconnecting with their roots. They're mm-hmm. seeing their grandkids grow and they want to pass something down and they just start getting into their their DNA, their family history, heritage stuff, their heritage a little bit yep. more. Yeah. Yeah. And they've they've passed they, they've they've gotten over the over the hump of caring what other people think about them. Mm-hmm. So there there comes a point where it's like, you know, I'd like to get a kilt. And then, you know, you, you have to, you know, if you're in your 20s and 30s, oh, what's my boss going to think? What are my friends going to think? And if you still care about that, then it's more difficult to just kind of take the plunge. But once you're in your 50s and 60s, it's just like consequences be damned. I'm going to do it because I want to do it, period. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's uh, that's an older, for, that's a harder hurdle for some people from an older generation, um, especially, you know, like uh, boomer generation or above boomer generation. Uh, because the the conformity of work uniform dress how you dress for certain occasions which much was much stricter so people like my generation and younger we didn't grow up with that same level of uh, conformity and dress so it's easier for us but um, uh, once you no. start thinking about your mortality though yeah then it's, it's like yeah you want to see then the all day. bets are off so yeah just yeah. you want to do it because you want to do it um, so yeah absolutely go for it enjoy it um, the uh, as to the type of kilt, five yards great. If you uh, feel like you want something that's not so heavy, perhaps five yard is a good option. Um, it is very flexible in terms of where and when you can wear it. So yeah, it's a good good option. Cheers. Good on you. Yeah, Mr. Mac. All right. So now we're gonna go the opposite direction. Um, we have all youngest, too young for baby, a kilt. baby <laughs> no. kilts. No, we have, we have John <laughs> asking. <laughs> 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 Doctor in there, you know. Never mind. Um, <laughs> no visuals for that either. Thank you. Congratulations, it's a Stuart. No. <laughs> Sorry. So we, we have, should know that before it's born, though. Hopefully. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have John uh, asking. He's as a four-year-old uh, son who wears uh, wears a kilt to school at least one day a week. 
Cool. Um, for the moment, the feedback is 95% good. And his son doesn't care much about what the older kids have to say, the insults and the mockery. He's a little afraid while he's growing up that he may be a little bit more affected by those insults and that mockery. And then he may quit wearing the kilt. Any suggestions, any <coughs> thoughts? It's easy to say, just ignore it. Yeah. But yeah. being it's, a kid yeah. and growing up, it's... Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Everybody going through school has something that they're bullied about, period. You're going to get picked on. 99% of kids are going to get picked on by somebody. Bullies get bullied at some point, which is probably how they became a bully in the first place. Um, so it's one of those things where if your child is strong enough mentally, emotionally, and wants to do it because it's them, it's who they are, and they just like it, then support it. Uh, don't make them feel bad about it. Don't push them, you know, but yeah. let them, you know, let them know that, look, you're probably going to catch some crap at school from the big kids about this. And if they say, I don't care, then great. Encourage that, you know, make sure they understand self-defense, but, you know, let them kind of express who they are. And as long as they're not hurting anybody in those expressions, support them. Yeah. Um, basically, basically that, um, I've had the opposite experience with my son where basically he was really into wearing kilts and then he just decided he didn't care about clothes in general. So it's just a matter of lazy sloppiness for him. He's just, he, he, he was just, he's happy wearing a t-shirt and, and long sport pants or shorts and, and flip-flops all the time. So he doesn't care about self-expression, really. The closest thing to self-expression he has is like wearing a Pokemon shirt because he's into Pokemon. Um, so if they decide they're not interested, don't be offended by that. That's the flip side of what you were saying, I think. It's basically um, you're trying to ensure that they have an awareness of it when they're young. And it sounds like you've absolutely done that. And you're planting a seed which may just lay fallow for a number of years and then come back when they're adults or when they're teens or something. Yeah. Um, or it may be, yeah, they might be self-conscious about it. Um, it may be that they're fine with it until they're a teenager and then all of a sudden they want to be more conformist with their friends and so they're uh, self-conscious um, or not. It's uh, It could go any number of different directions with a kid and every kid's different. So um, just be cool about it. You know? And it'll it'll probably come back around. Yeah. A lot I, of people... I, I almost guarantee it will. <clears throat> yeah, they, they have uh, guys... Here, here's my generalization. Guys tend to go through an awkward thing either... 13 around that age or around 18 yeah. um, where they go through some kind of rebellious phase or some kind of, you know, caring too much what other people think and that kind of thing. Um, if anything, I would just stress the don't care what other people think about you. Does this person really affect your life in 10 years time? Are there, is their approval going to matter to you? No, it's the people you love. It's your parents. It's your siblings. That's who is going to matter. That's who you stress. And sorry that Johnny Pants eighty five called you a, a weirdo for wearing a kilt online, but he doesn't matter. We are what matters. We are your family. We are the ones here supporting you, and that's what you stress. Yeah, I think that 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 can be hard to get from the intellectual part to the lizard brain of an adolescent. I mean, they're they're it's <clears throat> it's they'll they'll say that and agree with it with their forebrain, but their backbrain with the instincts is kind of like, nah, I'm still freaking out. But you still, you just have to keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, it's keep just, you know, be, it, you'd be supportive it. no matter what. Yep. That's bottom line. And and yeah, basically teach them a sense of self that's timeless, you know, that's not dependent on other people. 
Agreed. Now, now teaching them appropriate context is not a bad thing either. You know, it's uh, if the kilt looks like crap, or if they uh, if they're wearing a kilt when they've been told specifically you shouldn't wear a kilt for this reason, you know, then they should be aware of that and not try to say, well, I could, my dad says I can wear a kilt anytime I want. You know, I don't care that we're crawling through a cave today for this field trip. You know, you know what I mean? It's like there, there are times where they do. Need to, you do need to bow to practical conformity. Yes. I'm not saying I'm not saying, you know, 100 percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, That's what hard for I would, me to express. I hope I'm getting hopefully I'm getting the idea across. Yeah, but, I think you are. OK. Um, what I would say is if if the kid is getting bullied at school, but still wants to wear their kill, but now they're a little, you know, gun shy on it. Maybe take them to the mall. Maybe wear your kilt with them. Tell them, I, okay. I was going to say, then, absolutely wear your kilt with them. Yeah. Then don't wear, you know, tell them, okay, hey, if you're getting picked on at school for wearing your kilt, then don't wear your kilt to the school. But Friday night, we're going to go to the mall and we're going to get, you know, you and me, we're going to wear our kilts together. We're going to go out to dinner as a family and walk around and get them exposure to other people, specifically adults, who will probably not make disparaging comments, especially to a little kid. More likely they're going to compliment them. Yeah. yeah. And they'll get more positive reinforcement and that'll help build them up Yep, um, and offset any of the damage done by the bullies at school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they realize the bullies are a minority. Yes. Yeah. And they're just jerk kids. Yeah. Like I tell my kid who gets bullied in daycare, look, some people are just jerks, period. And you just got to ignore the jerks. You got to be a good person and just ignore the jerks. Yeah. What's the line from Rob Roy? Honor is a gift a man gives to himself. I think so. Things like it's that. A good line. I always like that. I always love that line, yeah. actually. I don't know if that goes on this, but you know what I mean. A kilt is a gift a man gives to himself. It's better when it's a gift that a wife gives to a man. So he's anyone, paying for it. Anyone yes. can give to yes. a man. That's true. Yes. And we highly encourage it. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, it's, we started late. It's 510. We'll do. Two more. Two more? Okay. All right. Trying to decide. I'm always trying to decide. Um, question from Lucas. Can I get my college slash university tartan? Um, uh, and Lucas was downstairs, actually. He's one of the sales guys, and he's saying uh, he has folks asking about college tartans almost every week. This week, uh, is it has it prompted people to uh, to uh, because of people going back to school in the fall? Sure. You think it's a fall semester, you know, getting ready for homecoming kind of a thing. Yeah. People want their university tartan. A lot of schools, a lot of colleges, universities do have a tartan. The shame of it is a lot of them have a registered tartan that they don't really have available to the general public for kilts. Right. They're made into hats and you know umbrellas, scarves, you know scarves, yeah. you know, cushions for sitting on at homecoming games, whatever. Um, and weirdly, kilts are like the furthest thing from their mind. That being said, you can occasionally, depending on the size of the school and the the tightness of their copyright department, um, you may be able to get permission to have enough cloth woven for just one kilt. A lot of schools don't allow it, especially bigger schools, because they don't want it to be out there and outside of their control. So if you're an alumni and if you give a lot of money to the school, they may take exception for that. But uh, it's basically you have to contact their head office and just say, hey, the school is a tartan. Who do I talk to about getting permission to have it made for a kilt? I really want to show my school spirit at you know the, the homecoming game. 
Yeah. Um, how often does that work out for people, you think? <sighs> probably. Being realistic. Probably probably about half the time, two thirds really? of the time. Really? Okay. It's you just have to the school doesn't want it to be out of control. So if you can say, look, when when somebody approaches us and say, Hey, I go to Notre Dame and I want the Notre Dame Tartan, can I get it? We tell them it's copyrighted, it's restricted. Go to the office, ask them for permission for just enough for one kilt. You're not going to commercially reproduce this, but you need their permission for just enough for one kilt. And generally, they will let you kind of do that. That being said, it's still going to be a custom woven kilt, so it's going to be yeah, 900 bucks, be 1000 bucks for one kilt. But they'll they'll generally kind of bend a little bit on it. Yeah, that's my that's my general experience with it. Okay, cool. Um, nothing wrong with going with a kilt that's same color scheme if you have trouble getting your college kilt though, right? It's yeah. kind of like sports teams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like if your university <clears throat> colors are purple, just like you, know, you go with a something like Warrior Tartan. Yep, or Isle Sky or something with that yeah. color in it, or yeah. two of the colors yeah. in it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, with my Penn State stuff, I wear. Oh yeah. I wear St. Andrews or my Strathclyde blue. There you go. With it, with my Penn State jersey mm-hmm. and, and or shirts. Yeah, it looks good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. And a matching ball cap. That's right. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, Jim Hawk was asking us. He's uh, saying, "I make my own kilts. Uh, I use non-tartan plaid simply due to cost." Uh, is there any reason to believe that I'm doing anything wrong by doing this? I mean, wrong might be a, a loaded word in a sense, but um, some folks turn their noses up at utility kilts because they're not true or to traditional kilts. Do folks do the same for non-tartan kilts? So is he making a faux pas by making a traditional style kilt using a non-tartan plaid? No. Okay. Um Non-tartan kilts have been around for a long time. Uh, there's yeah. a famous photo or painting of John Brown in a solid bluish, grayish kind of kilt. Yep. Um, there are tweed, solid tweed kilts that have been done for you know hundreds of years. So no, and there's saffron kilts for the Irish, and yep. blue and green yep. kilts. So there's a lot of solid color kilts. My only caveat or end around to that is when you're wearing a solid color kilt, it can look a bit more feminine, like bottom half of a women's business suit kind of thing. So for me, I would tend to make sure you're wearing a spore and, and a kilt belt and the kilt hose and the rest of the outfit to kind of really identify it as a kilt and not something that isn't. Now, what, but what about using non-tartan plaids? Like you go down to Walmart to the fabric department and you pick up a, uh, some kind <clears throat> of a checker pattern that's not actual tartan. You can, you can do it, but it looks... If the fabric is cheap, it doesn't, I used to have a saying, it doesn't matter how good of a kilt maker you are. If you start with poor quality fabric, you're going to end up with a poor quality kilt. Okay. Period. Okay. So if you start off with $3 a yard Walmart flannel fabric, it's going to look crap as a finished kilt. It doesn't matter whether I'm making it, Max making it, who's making it, it's going to look bad because the fabric itself is not right for the garment. So that's why, you know, traditional worsted wool cloth is used for kilts. That is why tweed fabric to a degree is used for kilts. That's why the polyviscose fabric we have, we use for kilts because it makes a nice finished garment. If you're using a flannel fabric that kind of grabs itself, the pleats won't sway nicely and it's going to be difficult to sew and it's, it's too light. 
Um, okay. So I'd, I'd say that you have to use the right type of cloth for the job. But if it's uh, if he finds like somebody's made a variant of Black Watch, but they've used like purple and pink or something, you know, instead of the traditional greens and blacks, but it's the it's the Black Watch pattern. So it's not sure. an official tartan. It's sort of tartan esque, you know, or L.L. Bean plaid shirt. Yeah, that kind of color pattern that's not going to piss anybody. <clears throat> no, it, it it shouldn't. It's just a universal or fashion type tartan. Okay, it's my my distinguishing you know angle is it should be appropriate material for the kilt, Make sure not so much the pattern. Structurally, itself. structurally, it's a good choice. Yeah, so the kilt hangs good, properly, finished. is solid. Okay, yeah. Yep. So keep going. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Very good. Any final thoughts? Um, not really. Um, we will be doing the uh, grand reopening next month. Yep. For those October twelfth, are... two thousand nineteen. Mark your calendars. Uh, our construction project is almost finished, and we're gonna have a kick-ass blast bonanza. Um, put the roof back on this mofo party. <laughs> um, yeah, gonna have some live music. Gonna have food. Gonna have drink. Uh, a lot of people are coming from all over the country at this point. It's yeah. going to be pretty nuts. It's going yeah. to be nuts. off the chain, as the ch kids say. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, if you can, make it out for that. Otherwise, catch us here. Yeah. We do these things once a month, so log in, ask your questions, send us your questions. If we don't get to your question on the episode, we start a list, and we go through them, and then we have them for the next episode. So, mm -hmm. very good. Cool. That being said, enjoy your month, boys and girls. See you first Friday of October, probably. Yep. Yep. And until then, Slanjava. Slanjava. Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava.